0: His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. When I first came to this congregation, I heard of a tradition quite peculiar. But for the people of Emmanuel, it was sweet and so familiar it seems you had a pastor who thought himself a poet, and then once a year he'd write a sermon to show it. I had never heard of such a thing before, a sermon that rhymes, what on earth for? But I do sit in his old office and took his billing on the sign, and there's one thing that's been a sort of principle of mine, that if a man can do it, well, then so can I. (laughs) So today, I will put my English degree to some use, and I'll try rhyming verse to proclaim the good news. I don't promise anything. Don't expect this each year. If this goes very poorly, you'll have nothing to fear. But this one time, one time only, I'll give it a shot. A sermon that rhymes, why on earth not? I can even think of one benefit to a sermon that rhymes. Like we see in children's stories and music sometimes. There's a method in this madness, you see. Rhyming words have been shown to help our memory. If you can remember the sermon, then you can repeat it. So after I share the good news, it will be your turn to proclaim it. So pay close attention to the message today. After the dismissal, when you go on your way, that is when your work will start and you're called to share the good news that's been placed in your heart. So let's dive into our text. That's enough preamble. We read the account of Christ's baptism found in Luke's gospel. If it rings a bell, that's because we read this in December, but we stopped at verse 18, as I'm sure you all remember. Today we learn the next piece of this story, when Jesus arrives on the scene and God reveals his glory. A crowd has gathered, a people filled with expectation. This man dressed in camel hair gives a wild proclamation. He tells the people to repent and return to the Lord. His tone is sometimes harsh, but his message received as a good word. The people think John is the Messiah they've been waiting for. But he corrects their assumptions with one message more. He simply points the way to the one with more power. He baptizes with water, the Messiah with spirit and fire. Though this sounds strange, the crowd doesn't cringe or laugh as they learn the Messiah will separate the wheat from the chaff. It's not that some people are chaff and others are wheat, and we are to live in fear, wondering which one are we. No, we contain both the potential for good and for sin, so we struggle with this pain that we carry within We want to see our goodness grow and heal our broken parts. We want to live well and love well, but we don't know where to start. We long to be one with our creator and who we were created to be. This long-awaited Messiah will be the one who sets all free. Now, maybe this is something to which we can relate. The drive to be our best selves, the desire to be great. We make lofty New Year's resolutions, seeking change and quick solutions. We bid our old selves adieu and set goals for self-improvement, as they say. New year, new you. Read more books, lose some weight, declutter our homes, learn to skate, practice mindfulness, bake more bread, get a new job to get ahead, find a marathon to run, learn how to simply get more done, write more letters to your out-of-state friends, but also find more time to relax on the weekends. These are all good things. They're all helpful goals. But none of them are the cure. None of them make us whole. We don't have to be better or prove ourselves worthy. Right now, as we are, God loves us completely. But Pastor Sarah, um, what about repentance and change? The Christian life doesn't call us to just stay the same. Yes, but transformation? is a promise, not simply command. Remember that winnowing fork? It's in Jesus's hand. We need Jesus, our Savior. We can't heal our own hurts. We are made new from God's love, not by our own effort. It is in the baptismal waters that we are cleansed and restored forgiven of all our sin, claimed for so much more. We are brought into Christ's own body and called as a new creation, not in ways we could accomplish. This is the Spirit's transformation. Called to serve, work for peace, Generously give, seek justice, love all people, repent and forgive. Live in ways that bring God's kingdom to earth. This water and the word provide a second birth. Now, to jump back to our gospel for just a sec, we haven't even touched the best part yet. Jesus joins the baptismal party, jumping into the river. Has he a reason to repent? Does he need to be delivered? It is yet one more example of a God who loves us so deeply that God does everything possible to share in our humanity. The baptismal waters that through every generation have claimed us are the very same waters that unite us with Jesus. The heavens were opened as Jesus was praying, and those who were gathered heard God's own voice saying, You are my Son, the Beloved. And then they saw the Holy Spirit descend like a dove. These words that were said for Jesus, the Son, are true for all people, for everyone. These words that are said with Christ in the water are the same words for all God's children, sons, and daughters. When we were baptized into the body of Christ, we were claimed, marked with the cross, sealed with the Spirit, each called by name. This might sound too amazing or too hard to believe, but when God looks at each one of us, God is well-pleased. You are God's beloved, just as you are right now today, you who were fearfully, wonderfully made. No goal, achievement, or resolution would make God love you more. God takes delight in you, You are treasured and adored. To know we are loved, this news sets us free. The Spirit loves us into who we were created to be, made in God's own image, to be messengers of God's love, to be Christ's body on earth till earth reflects heaven above. Hey, look at that. We're almost done. So I'll end this sermon the way I begun, by reminding you that when I stop, you start. You have homework for when it's time to depart. This message of God's unconditional love is good news. Don't let it stop here and get left in the pews. So many people struggling, forgotten, Hurting and tired, are longing to hear that they're loved, to hear that they matter. Tell everyone you meet, they are loved by God the Creator. Set free, forgiven, they are created and favored. Feeling bold? Invite them to the baptismal party. Let them know that they, too, have a place in Christ's body. You have felt God's love and experienced God's grace. So go share that news of this love all over the place. Okay, now the sermon is over. I'm really done. Pastor Dan was right. This was pretty fun. Maybe one day we could even try it again. But for now, let's just close with a heartfelt amen.